Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Arganissima, New York. the iHealth channel and iHealth Radio with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic. Uh, today, I have, a, first of all, a guest with me uh, who has uh, experienced something unique, but also can happen to everyone. And she's an author, and we're going to talk about her book and her experience. And it is something that has to do with both health and the health system and how you behave with it, how you deal with it, as well as uh, the the whole ramifications of, of what happened. And again, I'm always talking in suspicious mode here <laughs> because and suspenseful mode here because I wanted to just get a little, you know, suspense going on. Uh, but but really, it is a, probably something that can happen to anyone. And the first thing is, I'm going to ask the question, have you or do you know of anyone who's ever had a misdiagnosis or they were told something that's probably uh, and alive or something that is, you know, you know, very overwhelming that can have some mental effect and all that stuff. And if you do, well, you do want to hear this today because, uh, you know, you don't know what's going on all the time. And there are ways to deal with this. Now, our guest today, she is a um, mind-body uh, uh, health practitioner. Is that, is that, is that, is that correct? Yes. Is that close yes. enough? Okay. Well, you'll tell us about all that, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so I have with me Lynn Del Mastro Thompson, all the way from Oregon. And we're looking forward to having the discussion. So, so first things, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Be looking forward to this. And and you have a unique story, and 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 really an interesting one. And as I said, I asked the question: Did you ever hear of anyone or know someone who had some sort of misdiagnosis? And this question to you, the answer will be yes. Yes. <laughs> and you yes. are it. You actually were literally misdiagnosed. So, so first things first, let's talk about all that. Let's give us a little bit about yourself, uh, an introduction, and, and, and just how it all happened, when it happened, what happened exactly, and how did you deal with all that? Yeah, definitely. So this happened in my uh, mid-20s. I was in grad school studying for a PhD in history, and I was scheduled to have elective surgery. And so, you know, when you have a when you have any type of surgery, they send you for pre-op blood work. And I get the phone call the night before the surgery that you don't really want to get. And the surgeon says to me, I think there's something wrong with your blood work. Um, he sent me back to just double check that it wasn't a lab error, which is, you know, a first experience too of like, oh, you know, labs make errors really. So rush over to the hospital, they run the panel of blood work again, I get a phone call again, and he says, yeah, it's not a lab error, Lynn, it, we can't do the surgery on you. There's, I was just left with the answer of, there's something wrong with your blood work, go see your primary doctor. 
And so I went to see my primary doctor who probably ran a whole bunch more blood work and some other tests. And I get a phone call a few days later from a doctor who I had never heard of, which was, mm. this is like the, the case of all of the weird things that you would never expect to have happen to you, getting a phone call from a doctor you don't know. And he said, you know, how are you feeling? And I said, other than freaked out that I don't know what's going on and who you are, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And he said, well, if you don't have any symptoms, you can stay home tonight. And if you have any symptoms, come meet me or come to the hospital immediately. And if not, I'll see you tomorrow at the hospital. And it was like, I was so shocked, like looking back on it now, I would have thought of about 10 questions to ask him in that moment. But, you know, I was just shocked to get this phone call. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and I spent the night anxiously wondering what I should even be worried about, like what kind of symptoms he was talking about, because I didn't ask that question. Anticipation. Crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, night. I don't I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty sleepless night or not very good quality sleep. Get to the hospital the next day and I meet him there and he said, well, you know, we we're thinking that maybe you clotted off the veins that drain your liver. And I'm going, that's not supposed to happen. Mm. Um, and he said, we're, you know, we have to figure out why that happened and started the parade of, you know, another specialist having to come in and try to figure out what had gone on to do that. And then also them figuring out like, how do we get your veins open back up because you need your liver to actually drain the blood through. So I spent about four days in the local hospital there while they were doing more tests, including a bone marrow biopsy and you know a ct scan to figure out you know what exactly had happened in the liver and then they said you know we're going to send you somewhere else where they've actually done this procedure we want to do to open up your liver and they're going to figure out what happened because we don't have an answer yet of why so i get transferred up to a hospital in san francisco i was living in california at the time and uh in that hospital, they do some more tests and finally come to the diagnosis of chronic myelogenous leukemia. And as you can imagine, hearing the word leukemia is very, very scary, especially when you're 25 and you, you know, all you, you have all the dreams and all the, the, the things that you have in your vision ahead of you. And you just start thinking about the worst case scenario. And it's exactly it's devastating. I mean, even if you don't have it, it's devastating. I mean, literally, you just hear it and you know it's it's not simple. It's something that that could be, uh, you know, very very bad. And uh, right. now the good news is, there is enough technology, enough medicine, enough treatment, and 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 things, real stories of of people that have overcome that. But but nevertheless, when you have the diagnosis, I think that that ends a lot of things, and it causes a lot of uh, mental, I think, stress. I think that's that's the first thing on you and everybody around you. Yes, yes. I mean, so, it was, it was, I still remember that moment. I mean, I don't think I'll ever forget hearing that news and how, all the thoughts that raced through my mind of, you know, does this mean I need a bone marrow transplant or chemo or, you know, what's the prognosis, you know, and as he's talking, all these things are flashing through my mind. And, you know, the answer was no, I didn't need either of those. I was just put on a medication, thankfully, but not so thankfully, because I didn't actually need that medication. <laughs> well, we got to come to that one. But 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 again, for our listeners of yours, I mean, uh, this is just the beginning of the story. But but understand that every day, you know, people are going to to hospitals and doctors and, and getting diagnosis uh, for various things. And for the most part, we take it for what it is, for what it's worth. And we take the word that, you know, 
you got a diagnosis that's exactly what's going on and you don't even question it no and and i think i think you know in your case you know something happened that you realize something different eventually yeah so so you're going to share that with us but 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 we will pose that question at the end of the show as to or we'll not even pose the question but we will give a suggestion you know to do something different about this so in the event that you hear something there is something you need to do right. <laughs> and we'll talk about this so again i'm being mysterious still but but you know i'm just you know for the for the interest of the show here we want to do that but but so so you had that they told you you're going to get on medication uh -huh. uh, in your mind and now did you have to go any further in terms of testing blood work and any other stuff or that was it at that point i was done in the hospital they had done the procedure to open back up the veins of my liver that had been successful you know so they had figured out how to solve the immediate problem and then what the cause of the problem was and so you know we kind of had the plan and then they said you can go home and you can go back to you know your sort of normal life whatever that is now that we've kind of blown it up with this news and you know you're just gonna be followed yeah you know you'll be followed you'll take medication you'll have a specialist who i had seen you know when i was in the hospital where i lived and you know, that was a whole other you know part of the story was you know i had seen him initially in the hospital and he had been the first one to try to do a bone marrow biopsy and it, he couldn't even succeed in doing it because he all he told me before I had it done was you're just going to feel some pressure. Mm. And he gave me like just this little local injection and it was not just some pressure like it was, it was literally like torture to I couldn't tolerate it. It was too painful. Wow. So so we'll talk more about the diagnosis and, and, and obviously they told you you could have caught this in a particular way, uh, you know, uh, and they gave you some reasons where you potentially could have, uh, I guess, gotten the, the problem, right? And, Not really, actually. Oh, they haven't. You know, oh, okay. So, no, so they I mean, even, they didn't even guess anything. They didn't, they didn't try to backtrack no, what could to, have happened. You know, yeah, they tried to, you know, they said, Genetics? anybody in your family? Yeah, yeah. Has anybody <laughs> in your family had leukemia? No. Yeah. Like we, we don't know where this would have come from, but you know, this is yeah. what we think it is, and here you go. Uh, so, so, so now you've ha you heard the bad news, obviously, and uh, now you go back, you get out of the hospital. What was what was the steps that you took? I mean, first of all, I know you have a surrounding, you have an entourage, family. Yes. Uh, I mean, you were young, um, right? It, My parents it, were both with me in the hospital, you know. And so that must have been, you know, aggravating, you know, and devastating to them as well. And, you know, obviously there's nothing they can do about it, you know, and they hope for the best. I mean, everybody that's, that's, we're all the same, right? We're all human. And whenever right. we hear about someone we know, or, and we don't even know, we all say, well, you know, uh, may they, you know, get a better speedy recovery, get better and this and that there's, we try to be positive. Right. I mean, I'm sure everybody wanted to do that, but, but you believed that at that time. Yes. Yeah. So there was I, no reason I, for you not to believe it. No. I mean, <laughs> you know, you come out of a hospital after almost two weeks of, you know, two different hospitals, so many tests. I, I was sure, you know, they had gotten the right diagnosis. Why would I question what it was? You know, I, I'm not the one that reviewed all of the blood work and all of the different diagnostic tests. So it was like, yeah, I, I believe this is what, they say I have. Wow. 
you know, I, I do have a series of the show that that's called Unbelievable But True. This is Unbelievable But True. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so this gonna fall. This is gonna fall in that particular category of talk shows <laughs> because I mean it it is it is unique and um, not that unique because I know that there's people out there today that will probably say, oh, this happened to me. I know someone who it happened to, and yeah. and and now now here's the thing. At this point, you have a diagnosis, you have a treatment that you're gonna follow. And, and you have, you are obviously committed because you want to be better yes. and nothing in, at that point is going to tell you otherwise, no one can actually even convince you otherwise, right. you know, all you're going to yeah. do is do whatever it takes to make it happen. So, so what did you do at that point? What was your reaction towards this? And, uh, you know, how did you kind of manage your life beyond that point? I mean, in the beginning, it was such a shock and I did get kind of very depressed, you know, to be 25 and to hear this news and to think, you know, your life might be over. It, it was a, kind of a life-changing news for me. So I, I went back into, you know, my grad school program and I attempted to kind of just keep going and keep proceeding through my life. And, you know, I, I went to the doctor's appointments, I got blood tests when I needed to. And, you know, I tried to stay positive, but it, you know, it was hard. It was hard to live with this news and, and a new reality, basically. Well, psychologist, psychologically speaking, I mean, that's, that's a big hit, but yes. then also financially, I'm assuming there's, there's, you know, cost to it. Right. And, and then, then also there's the other, I guess, uh, related problem of you know how to deal with with friends and and uh, obviously with with such such a, a diagnosis you want to be careful uh you kind of have you know your immune now is 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 compromised and and so you have to be like almost extra cautious you might even you could have possibly stopped you know seeing people doing things that you probably enjoyed before so all that stuff would have been you know part of your i guess life and and which means a big impact across everything that you've known before right uh, yeah i mean my white cells weren't super low so i was never really told you know like stay so home then, okay. isolate you know i did see people but people treated me differently you know it was like of once course, friends it's... found the news you know it's like they'd come over and instead of being talking about whatever our common interest was it was like hey how are you feeling what's going on with your treatment you know this and that everything was health related and and, and that's actually I think more stressing on your psyche, because I think when people start pushing sure. that and that's all you hear, it does have a, a very tremendous, uh, I guess, negative impact, I would say, on, on how you feel, because it's uh, people try to comfort you. But on, on, I think on the psychological world, that's more of a, an impact. That's like, you know, they're not supporting you to a better way. They're actually probably hurting you in a way, not that that's intentionally great. done. And I believe in that because I've, I've had similar situations with friends, uh, you know, and people always try to comfort them, but they don't want to hear that. They'd rather want to hear something different and feel normal as opposed to like feeling like that's the end of the line or they're just not doing good. Then, you know, oh, my right. God, you don't want to remind, remind people that way that, that you're not in a good place. Right. And, and, and by doing a conversation a, that's normal or exactly. like, hey, how are you doing? You know, what's going on with your life? Because my life is kind of crappy right now. So. I, I, and people probably started talking religion and, you know, getting all that, you know, uh, unique about it. Right. I, and, 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 you know, listen, I think that's just the standard, you know, feeling when, when you hear someone that's close, you want to do your best to comfort them somehow. But right. no one is prepared for that. No. Uh, you know, it, it's like no your instruction manual. Exactly. For how you so, deal so with a friend or loved one with, you know, a scary diagnosis. 
Well, you and I, we were just chatting earlier about even as, as simple, well, it's not simple. It is, we're talking about, you know, uh, COVID and, and the, uh, the people that, that have it. And sometimes they, they contract it and some do well, some don't do. Uh, even as, as simple as that, I mean, it is scary because this is, you know, a virus. It can happen. It could be deadly, you know, uh, and, and no one knows what. There is no real, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's statistics all over the charts, right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and nothing that we've been told from the beginning has spent out to what it was. I mean, we have originally it said, you know, people will be sick, you know, at the highest age groups, and then it became everybody. We have kids. So, so it is crazy when, when, when you are surrounded with something like this, when it has to do with medical and health and diagnosis of any type. Right. Uh, so, so now life moves on. So we're, we're traveling in time. So life moves on. How long did it take you to, to get where you discovered something? And we'll talk about what that's something in a minute. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it actually took a process of a few years. So wow. I started to question um, why I didn't feel like I was getting better, despite, you know, I would go for this particular lab test of something related to CML that they would, they would look at. And the doctor said, well, it seems like the drug is working because this, this lab test, you know, looks really good. And over the course of probably the first year and a half, I started losing all of this weight, like down to a very unhealthy weight, mm. you know, in the beginning, it was like, okay, I could lose a few extra pounds, but then I got down to, you know, people, friends would say to me, don't lose any more weight. And I was like, I, this is not like a deliberate attempt to lose weight. This is, I'm eating things and my body is just still wasting away. I couldn't maintain weight. So was that because of the treatment specifically or, or just the, I guess, Part the changes in your life that you, you committed to? Part of it was definitely the treatment. So this mm. medication, even though, you know, I wasn't going through traditional chemo, it kind of was like chemo in a pill form. So I had a lot of side effects of nausea and, you know, sometimes I would take the pill and I wouldn't be able to keep meals down. If I, it was like, they kept just telling me, well, try to time it differently. Like try to take it this time relative to when you eat food and this time, and you know, it didn't always work. So like, sometimes I could eat food. Sometimes I couldn't, you know, even when I was eating, it just seemed like my body, you know, was not actually maintaining weight, which can definitely happen when you're ill is your body just kind of wastes. You start using up your resources to try and stay healthy. Wow. So, so now how many years was that? Um, it, it was a total of three years that I went through this whole process of, of living with that diagnosis and starting to question. So, you know, I probably didn't question initially, probably maybe the first year out, then I started to go, well, you say I'm, you know, this looks good on paper, but, you know, I would say, I still always remember those appointments with this doctor and he would say, well, how are you feeling? And my answer was always, I don't feel well, I feel tired, like I'm losing all this weight, it, you know, I don't feel healthy. And he would always say to me in the most ridiculous way, you look great, which was not true. I knew it was yeah, not true. It's complimental, true. <laughs> but it's not. You, it's, you can't lie nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A person who is really ill and knows that they don't look well, like that, that's not going to fly. You know, I was like, what are you talking about? Why aren't you listening to what I, the words coming out of my mouth? I don't feel well. And he would just brush me off like time after time. We had that same little interaction of like, how are you feeling? I feel horrible. Oh, well, you look good. See you next month. Wow. And I knew there was something wrong with that in a, in, med in a medical situation, like a doctor. I was like, 
a doctor should listen to you when you say you don't feel well. Like that just seems to make sense, right? That we say well, something. We expect that. You expect yeah. that. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I'm expecting a whole lot. And I, at that point, I started to say, I don't like this doctor. He doesn't listen to me. And so I went back to my primary doctor and I said to him, I would like a referral to a different hematologist. And he said, oh, no, no, he's the best in town. Like we went to medical school together. And I was like, if this guy is the best in town, like I'm scared. You gotta know? go to a different town. Huh? You gotta move. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did go back up to the hospital in San Francisco trying to get a second opinion there. And that was a whole other crazy experience. So we we gotta talk about that. But but so, so what I wanted to just, you know, at least get understanding of so you go to the doctor who's been treating you for three years and you're telling him that you don't see any positive results and and so yeah. he's telling you well you look great which is thank you for the compliment but that's not what i'm feeling but but now you're in this position that you're questioning you're not getting better but you're not you know you you don't feel that the diagnosis was correct Something is off, you know. I mean, yeah. at this point, I don't know I mean, if I thought probably... it was the, the diagnosis or the medication. Or, exactly. But, well, like... but but in your mind, you must be thinking like this is getting worse. Yes. You know, you, this is the end. I mean, I'm not getting any better. I mean, what what does that mean, right? And so now you start questioning. Yeah. And and that's when you started digging more, and you wanted a second opinion. You can get one close to home. You go back to San Francisco. Now let's talk about what happened there. I mean, it sounds to be interesting because you, you had that little it, smile there. So let's talk about that. It's quite the story as well. It's another one of those. I can't believe oh, we got time. So happened. go for it. <laughs> so I get to this appointment, you know, we had driven, I think like five hours to go, you know, for this appointment, my parents were there with me. We get down, we sit, sit with the doctor and I'd been in this hospital in San Francisco for like 10 days. So you would think that, you know, they have like a lot of records on me the file folder that the doctor opens up is empty. Hmm. And so we had to spend the whole entire appointment telling her my history when it's like, shouldn't you know my history? Because I was in this hospital. Yes, this is an outpatient clinic hmm. associated with the hospital, but you know, all of the records are interconnected. Like why, why don't you look up my chart in your computer system or, you Just know, I don't know record, what they like old school. Yeah, I don't know what they thought I was there for, you know, it was like, to tell them a nice story. I don't know. So, so that didn't I never, satisfy you. I never got really a, a reassessment because, you know, you only have so much time. So we had to go through my whole history. And then it was basically, okay, well, that's it. That's all the time we have. So then what did you do next? So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of caught in this web of like still trying to get referred to a different doctor back home. And finally, I think, you know, it was that three year mark. I left my graduate school program. I had been staying in it, even though I didn't want to, because I needed the health insurance, you know, how messed up is the healthcare system, right? When we're kind of at the mercy of different situations. And at that time, you know, if you had student health insurance, you couldn't just do something like COBRA and get your own insurance, which I wanted to do. So I got a job and I, I said, I will take any job that has health insurance. I just, I need to leave this program. I need to get health insurance. Soon as I got different health insurance, I got a different primary doctor outside of the student health system. And I said to her in my first visit, I said, can you please refer me to a different hematologist? And she said, sure. 
She pulled hmm. out her, her they, referral. They, they did exist, apparently. Yeah. It, they did exist. There was another <laughs> doctor in the town, and she wrote me, you know, a referral to this guy. And I went, you know, uh, I don't remember how much later, maybe a month later, however long it took to get in to see him. So, yes, there was another hematologist. I'm sure there were more than just, you know, even the two. It was a, a big enough city. Well, I mean, it is a subspecialty and and, and is unique, but but nevertheless, I mean, uh, oncology is big, and therefore <laughs> hematology goes along with that. So there's exactly. a lot of a lot of stuff. So so I think I don't think that's that's I think every hospital has has a few of those specialists. Yeah. And and you know so and I'm sure there's a few good hospitals around you. But to your point, because you were locked into a network and you can get out you know out of the network because of your insurance. And I, and I understand, I mean, uh, when you're talking about anything cancer, it, th there is no real insurance. And if it is covered, that's a good thing. Otherwise, it's a lot of pocket and it's very expensive. I, I mean, trust me, take it from me. I work in the insurance world. So, so <laughs> I, I know exactly that, that, you know, that is very, very expensive cost to it. I mean, we are the payer. I, I, I represent the payer industry and uh, in my regular day job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's no. crazy. I mean, yeah. we see claims that are very, very expensive. And, but but it is what it is. That's that's like to your point. The healthcare system is designed in a particular way, and it's revolving around insurance uh, or out-of-pocket costs. And when it comes to some of these diagnoses, you know, it's it's very expensive. You know, and 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 a lot of these specialty hospitals don't even take insurance. As a matter of fact, all the leading ones I think in the nation do not even take insurance when it comes to any cancer, wow. you know, treatment and stuff. So it, it's, it's, and you'll get the best treatment, but it's, it's out of pocket or there's, yep. there's different programs that potentially, unless you have enough money to pay, but yes. talking about in, in the hundred thousands, you know, so it's, a, yes. so, so your move was right. I mean, to, to do that. And in your move, you know, you discovered a different provider. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so now your experience is changing. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's I talk about let's talk for... about that that minute because this is where we're the question was asked earlier about a diagnosis and this is where we're going to discover a misdiagnosis. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about that. So I finally get the appointment with the new hematologist and I brought in a stack of records, probably paper records about two inches thick, and he starts flipping through them after you know an initial conversation of why are you here, et cetera, et cetera. And he questioned in that very first appointment, he said, I don't think this looks like CML. I think this is something different. Hmm. And, you know, I, the range of emotions I felt in just hearing him say that was so vast. You know, I was like relieved that somebody finally listened to me, really angry that nobody had listened to me for three years and a little frightened too of like, well, what else is it? Like, well, that, that's true. But I, I'm sure there's also the fact that what the hell have I been treating all these years with all these pills? I mean, yes. I mean, listen, pills are necessary. And, you know, uh, we've, I've had a lot of uh, shows about, you know, uh, holistic approaches and things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, we know that when you take any medicine, it must have some sort of side effect to it. And it does impact other your organs and your system in, in yes. one way or the other. So, so, so ultimately three years of your life that you spend taking all these, you know, meds, uh, that's that's a, that that's one of the questions you probably had at the time, like, yeah. what the hell just happened? I mean, you could have yes. been just good, and now you're bad because of all those things that can happen. Because, let's yes. face it, all the drugs. I mean, when you look at you hear the commercials, I mean, it just has a big disclaimer with all the different things that can go wrong, and and there's nothing you can do about it because at the time when you are prescribed a prescription, you're relieved because you know that you're gonna fix the problem. 
but you take the risk of anything else in the future. Yes. Case yes. in point today with the vaccine, you know, people are taking it, you know, it's still, you know, early on, I mean, now it's better than a year ago, but, but people did, people are taking it and, you know, there's still different questions about it, but, right. but that's, the, I mean, again, this is not about the vaccine and, and right. the politics and the vaccine, but, but really in any medicine, medicine that you take, you mm -hmm. always question. Uh, and, and by the way, years later, Zantac, I mean, we can name some of these, these meds that, that have been, you know, proven that they had more damage and things like that eventually, but at the time, and they work for a percentage of the population, but, but certainly, you know, it's a big question. Yeah. Now you, you had to deal with all that to your point, happy. Oh, finally, someone's listened. Maybe there's something, there's a, there's a better outcome here. Also, like, what the hell could it be wrong? <laughs> because now right. we need we need to know what's the problem for real. Right. And it could be bad. It could be worse. It could be less. Right. You know, right. That, you didn't yeah, know you're kind of like uncertain, like a little bit like, OK, well, yay, I have someone questioning it. But yeah, what, what does it mean now? And what did yeah. I do to my body? Like you said, for three years on a medication that, let, you know, let, I didn't I have need. To say, I have to say this. I mean. God bless you, because I mean, that's not something you want to wish on anyone to be no. in that position. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure it's one thing to talk about it today. But you were not this this smiley, this happy at the no. time, you probably were like, so anxious and, you know, depressed and everything that can go wrong could be going at that time. I mean, I give you an example. I mean, uh, again, I, I, something that's recent, you know, with with the virus, the, the Corona, I mean, mm -hmm. you get it, you don't know. Right. I, I mean, I got, I had it, you know, and, and with everything that you hear, you don't know, you know, every day you're How like, you know, is it going to get worse? Or? Is it going to get better? I mean, right. luckily it was a very mild, you know, episode for me, but, but, but really you don't know as soon right. as you know that you have something. Now the question is, what does that mean? Is it going to go, you know, one way or the other? And there's right. only two ways it's either good or bad. Right. <laughs> so, so that, 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 that almost like that the, the anxiety you know, attack that you get just from thinking about it is bad. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 but, but again, I, I would not even compare those two. I mean, you've dealt with this for, for a long time. I mean, three years is not a picnic. No. I mean, that's, that's a, a jail sentence, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and, and it's, it's not ending. I mean, the only reason it would end if once you get that second diagnosis, but, but at that time you still didn't know. Now you just get a little bit of glimpse that there's potentially hope. Yes. So, so now the doctor says that you yes. react, what did this particular doctor do differently? And, and then what did they discover? Well, he said, you know, look, just looking at all of this, it, what you had with the liver, when you clotted off these portal veins is not traditionally ever been associated with chronic myelogenous leukemia. Mm. He said, it's always been associated with this other blood disorder called polycythemia vera, which I had never heard of. And he said, you know, I don't want to just diagnose everything based off of the stack of records you gave me. I want to do some let's more. Do yeah. yeah, let's do some more diagnostic testing because I, I want to get it right. you know. And so I had to have another bone marrow biopsy to see, you know, if it was something different and, and more blood work to determine, you know, what the correct diagnosis was. And it was exactly what he had he had initially suspected. It was a different so like may, may I ask this question and, and you might have the answer. So first doctor versus second doctor, was there any age difference and experience difference that you've noticed in terms of practice? I mean, was this a, a more savvy, a more experienced, you know, doctor or did they appear to be the same? I mean, at that point, um, did you question that? 
No, I mean, well, he he certainly was a better listener, the second doctor. Okay, you know? right, we'll take that. <laughs> you know, he, he spent a lot of time in that initial appointment listening to what I had to say and actually registering it in a way that I didn't feel I received. I think he was actually younger than the first doctor, if I kind of remember. Well, it's not so much the age. It's really, it, it could be younger but he started the specialty sooner and sooner, you know, yeah, yeah i don't i don't Cause, know because that's the other there. thing you can be you know 10 years into medicine and then you get a, you know another specialty and uh, you can right. be off the med school and go to specialty and therefore right. you can you know have more experience more in experience. that particular yeah but but again w- was there any indicator that was like a standardized thing that you could possibly share but obviously it was nothing that can differentiate at the time one versus the other other than the right. treat well the tests may have been different I mean, obviously he ordered new things for you. Was there anything similar to the first time? I, I, I really don't know what the exact tests oh, were. Oh, he, he just you prescribed know. them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is know, typical. I, we don't, we don't know. We just, yeah. I mean, I, just I, go I, to I'm, the lab. <laughs> I know I asked a lot of questions, but you know, to your point, sometimes you, you take it for what it is. The doctor says, these are the things you need. You right. drop them to the lab, the lab draws the blood and then the tests go back. And right. there's a bunch of stuff that you don't understand and they, they summarize it for you. You're good or you're bad. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, the only thing that I know was the same was having another bone marrow biopsy, which, you know, I had had Ooh. initially as part of the diagnosis. And oh. he took me seriously when I said, you know, I did not tolerate the first one. Well, you know, I need a lot of pain medication to help me be able to handle this. And, you know, he was very compassionate about that and I was grateful you know even though I had to go through something I didn't want to go through again he was he was kind and you know tried to help it be as comfortable as it possibly could be wow so now you did the tests now you get in the final stuff so it turns out to be what he thought it was but it was never the leukemia right now that's a relief. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. I'm, ultimately you had something and obviously that was milder, I guess, something that you could deal with, you know, in an ease and you were able to get rid of sooner, I'm assuming. Quicker. Yeah. Uh, polycythemia vera is actually a blood disorder that, you know, medically there's no particular cure for, but you know, there's a different way of treating it. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it's managed differently. And once I started getting a different medication and then getting a particular procedure that they use to help kind of thin the blood in the body, basically, you know, they just take off blood, like you were to donate blood, but they throw it away. Um, I started to improve very quickly. Like I, I went from, you know, feeling really awful to starting to actually feel, you know, a lot better. What was that, that time frame? A few months, a couple of months? I think, yeah, over probably a couple months initially, there was a, a good shift. And then, you know, over a year, it was like, wow, wow, you know, I feel so much better than I did, you know, that plus I was doing a lot of alternative healing things that also I, I attribute to speeding up my process as well. Well, well so, so we're going to talk about that, you know, in a second. So, so now you shifted, did you ever go back and, you know, discuss with the first doctor, like what the hell? <laughs> I actually did a medical malpractice lawsuit because I, not because I wanted a bunch of money, but because I wanted to hold them accountable. So that were you able happen. to do that after three years? 
Because the statute of limitations depends on the states. Um, There was no issue with statute of limitation in in my case. Uh, Oh, that's that's great. Because because yeah, in in at least in New York, um, at the time, I think there was. There's another show I had done about something that happened with mom, but it was like two years. You couldn't do anything after that. It was too late. <laughs> it very, very, very much varies by state because I yeah, know we had yeah. looked into it for something that happened to my grandmother and it wasn't possible, you know, in a different state. Well, I'm, I'm, I hope that, you know, it was uh, a win. <laughs> and, it and ended in a hung jury, actually, which was a whole other. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. You just don't catch a break. Huh? No. <laughs> well, well, I think, you know. At the end of the day, we, we don't, I mean, my practice is, is not something that any doctor wants to have as, as a cloud, because I can tell you from the insurance world, you know, we credential providers and, you know, and that's the first thing you look for, lawsuits, my practice and stuff. So it does impact their practice and their business and even their livelihood. Uh, again, I mean, they're, I would say human, but I mean, they, they learn enough to know better not to miss that kind of stuff. And, and at least, you know, if they're not sure they can order a second opinion. And I think that's the key. One of the lessons I think from today's show is that if you have a diagnosis that is extreme, you know, don't take it for the first, you know, don't believe it. It, it could be correct, but get a second and a third and then get some holistic, you know, approach, you know, cause there's other alternative ways because, you know, I, and I've had guests that actually had similar cases where the traditional medicine didn't work. And no one figured out what they had. And then when they went to, to Eastern medicine and other things, they actually had a better outcome. So, so again, it's just a matter of you doing your research, your homework, and don't, I mean, trust the system. I'm not saying no, but, but, but do your due diligence. I mean, we all owe it, especially when somebody is telling you this is a, a very severe diagnosis that can have a bad outcome, you know, or even deadly outcome. I mean, some of these things, I mean, there's, yes. they, they tell you they're terminal, whatever it's, it's crazy. Right. So, so now you live your life in, in a whole different world and only to find out that it was wrong. That's, that's crazy. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and, and that's three years of your life that, that, you know, you stopped everything that you were probably going to do, or you should have been doing, you know, right. living the life, enjoying the life. Now you don't care about that. Now you're thinking different. Right. So it affects everything, your yes. relationships to your point. So, so that is a big deal. And so anyone watching, listening, please, folks, you know, um, we don't wish on anyone anything bad, but, but, you know, things happen in life and any one of us can be, you know, affected with more afflicted also with something. And when you do, especially when it has to do with medical stuff, you know, it's very simple. You know, you get your first diagnosis, you go, you know, you can trust the doctors. The doctor can be good. You ask for a second opinion. And if you're not even clear, ask for a third opinion, you know, yes. find the specialty hospital for that particular thing. And, and it's not going to be always easy. And, but, but people do that and it's recommended. And even from an insurance world, I mean, you are entitled to, to appeal things and, or even, you know, ask for second opinions and they'll pay for it even out of network, depending on the case. And so mm. sometimes they be, they may not, but then you just have to take alternative measures and, and find your way out from, from that system. And so, so again, there is to your point, if it's worth paying a premium insurance and, and get in an out network or like a PPO type of situation and go anywhere. And, and, and that, again, when it comes to your health, there is no price. And that's the fact. Yes. Uh, so, so, uh, it, it, and it's, it's just, this is not just Lynn's story. This is many people's story. And whether we're in the US and, and, and some, some of our viewers and listeners are all over the world, this, this is happening everywhere. And it's yes. happening to a lot of people. 
We have 7 billion out there. And I, I'm pretty sure a percentage has experienced this or know someone who did. So, yeah. so that is crazy. Now that whole experience mm -hmm. became a motivation for you in a way. Yes. And, 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 it, and, and a life changer. And you did, you know, not only you wrote a book, uh, yeah. you know, but, but, but it taught you something. What was the, the core lesson that you learned from this crisis? I think the core lesson was really to learn to listen to my own body and listen to my wisdom, like of, you know, what's happening and what is my body trying to tell me through all of this? You know, at first I had no idea. And then looking back on it, I think it all in some level happened because I was just living a life where I was completely not happy and I was denying that, you know, and so sometimes our body gets really sick to get our attention if we keep kind of ignoring what it's trying to tell us well and you're right the body is resilient and it does send signals and, and message to us and sometimes we just don't understand them and you know part of it is doing the due diligence we talked about and second is really just know feel and hear it i mean you might be nothing you may be something but it's worth investigating right yes uh, and so so now you took that to the extreme where you became a specialist in this world, you know, to, to, to do things and help people. I guess that's what you do, right? Yes. Uh, and, and also you wrote a book. What is the name of the book? The name of the book is called you are not your diagnosis. I love it. I mean, it, I mean, understanding the story now, I think people can get it easily, yes. you know, I mean, true. You're not the diagnosis. You could be many things in your case, your diagnosis was wrong in the first place. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, so, and, so, and a so diagnosis I, isn't your identity. You don't lose right. who you are because you know someone in a white coat told you something about you know a part of your life. Uh, well, listen. I mean, I, I don't want to generalize. I mean, we want the white coats. Yeah, <laughs> we no, like them. But, but but we don't want to just assume because they say <laughs> something like your whole life goes away. Like you don't just become a cancer patient and you know not maybe a mother and a sister and a daughter and you know a friend. Like that was my experience was I felt like all those things, there was an eraser and they were just taken away. And it was just like, oh, you're the girl with leukemia. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I love the, the, the book. First of all, it's available for people to actually download or buy, I guess, on Amazon or. Yes, it's available on Amazon. And I also if you're in the U.S., you can also buy it directly from me if you're interested in a signed copy. I do send out some of my own copies. <laughs> no, no, listen, that, that would be great. So so so. We'll talk more about that, that part at the end, but, but so now you have written the book, but you started also helping people, right? Yes. So how does that work? What is the process and what do you do exactly to do that? Yeah. So I've taken a lot of the things that I learned and that I used in my own healing process, you know, starting from just learning stress management tools to help me navigate all of the intense stress I felt in, in that three years and beyond. And then I started to get really curious about other approaches to healing. And I found a system that's called Body Talk. And so that's one of the primary tools that I use with clients is a, a system called Body Talk that looks to understand why are we having the symptoms in our life. So, you know, the, the traditional model is to just say, okay, there's a symptom and we're going to give it a diagnosis. And then, you know, here's kind of the X standard treatment for it. My work is much more about getting curious about what is the body communicating through that symptom? You know, is it because did this come on because you had something traumatic happen in your past and you've never healed from it because, you know, our emotions have a tremendous effect on our health. 
Does it have to do, you know, with different just parts of your body not communicating well with each other? And we need to improve that. So I'm a kind of a trained listener for the body. You know, some people might say it falls a little in the category of medical intuition, although I don't diagnose people in, in a way through the work of, you know, you know, just come with symptoms. And I say, oh, you know, you have this problem. It's more like, what is the body? What is the story that's being told here? Well, so, so someone can ask the question, well, I, how do I, how do I listen to me? Like, how, how do I feel? <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's an odd question, but, but certainly like, you know, you have questions and you will feel pain and some, and that's the other thing. There is a difference. There are diagnoses when it's not physical, it's mental, uh -huh. but they reflect on the physical. So yeah. there's that too. So it is very difficult. I mean, I, I have to give you credit because it's, it's not easy to actually entertain this with people and they, and you have to take their word for it because they, you're basically asking questions. They're going to give you some answers. And even with doctors, we go there, they, they ask you a series of things and you give them a series of answers. And based on that, you know, they add a little bit of lab work and things, and then they come up with a diagnosis. So, right. so it's a similar concept, but now you're using the technique of the body or intu intu intuitive body or what is, what is it that you call it exactly? Um, well, body, I use two body systems. Talk. One, yeah, body talk and body, body intuitive. They're, they're kind of two related uh, systems. And so it is an intuitive process. It is me kind of tuning into what the person's body is saying. It's not so much, I mean, I do a standard intake where somebody tells me about what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. I have a pain here, or, you know, this or that, or a diagnosis sometimes. And so I have that information, but it's less about kind of that information and more about what the body is trying to, to communicate. And I tune into that through intuition and through kind of these different roadmaps, these protocol charts that kind of help me figure out like what area are we working on? You know, what language does the body want to speak as well? <laughs> well, that's great. But, but so here's a question. Uh, I mean, you've been doing this for a while and, and um, I know that you've helped people. Uh, you know, and, and you have actually resolved some of these issues. And, and some people, you know, they're like, I don't know what's going on in my body. I think I'm sick. I have this. And doctors said this. But then you used your tactics and techniques and strategies, and you were able to identify that it wasn't. Uh, you know, what kind of feeling those, do, those, do, <laughs> those people actually have experienced, get, you know, getting that feeling from you? Like, you know, when they hear that and they realize that, oh, my God you know, woo, this is a, this is a whole different thing. I mean, I'm, I mean, in a different world right now, because I, I can, I can just understand it, just visualize it, that if I feel sick and someone tells me like, well, this is all that was with you. It wasn't really what you thought it was. That's, that's, that's a side of relief that no one can actually understand except that person at that time. Now right. you can, because you've been there, right? <laughs> but, but, but certainly it is, it is just a, it, an improvement of life, right? So, yes, so, yeah. so you've, you've experienced that firsthand. And, and so you appreciate that. So, so if, if we were to, to ask people right now, what would they say? You're a miracle uh, <laughs> performer. I, I know. <laughs> I've heard different words. Like sometimes you're like a wizard or a magician, or how did you know that is a common thing that I, you know, get from people like, how did you know what happened when I was like 12 years old and that it's affecting this? It's because the body wants us to know that. I don't download someone's whole, you know, life story. It's just only the pieces that are relevant that kind of float up to the surface, so to speak. So what are some of the things that we should be looking for 
uh, you know, and viewers and listeners should be looking for daily to, to, to listen to their body. I mean, just, just to yeah. get in tune with it. Yeah. So I, I like to just teach people a simple practice that you can do on your own. And it's kind of like, as if you were going to meditate, you just find yourself a quiet place. You take some breaths, you know, so you don't want to be distracted by, I've got to go run over and, you know, pick up my kids in in 20 minutes. And I'm really focused on that. You're just going to sit quietly. Can it be for as short as five minutes? And once you've kind of done some breathing and just kind of got yourself more present in the moment, then you can start to ask the area of the body that's bothering you. Say you have a pain in your back, for example, you can start talking to that part of your back and you can say, Hey, you know, what, what are you trying to tell me through this pain? And the first times people do this often, if they've never done it before, they're like, I don't know what to expect, or this sounds kind of silly or crazy. So, you know, you might have to practice it a few times. It's, it's like building a new relationship with your body and you might not get anything the first day you do it, but if you do it consistently for maybe like a week, you might start to notice you're getting a sense of, you know, images coming through of, oh yeah, this, this has to do with, you know, I hurt myself or maybe, you know, there's an emotion that you sense in that area. So the more you make it a practice to kind of ask your body some simple questions, what does this area want me to know? What does it need from me? Like if you have a headache, what is, what is this headache all about? Mm. And maybe you'll get a sense, oh, I'm really dehydrated. I haven't been paying attention to drinking water. You know, (laughs) it could be as simple as that. You know, you just get all of a sudden really thirsty and realize, oh, that's what this has been all along. So what about energy? Like, do we have to, to operate our energies differently to, to help this process or like, is there some, something? I don't really see that. I think it's just a learning of focusing. So, you know, again, it's getting into a relaxed state like you would, if you were just doing a simple meditation and bringing your focus inside, asking those questions and, you know, you don't have to do anything with your energy. You just have to be open, you know, and you could be a little bit funny with it in the beginning. Like, I don't know, she sounds crazy, but I'm going to give it a try. Ah, listen, there's nothing crazy. I mean, I, I've seen, I've heard enough to know that, there, that to, to, to believe that there's other ways of, of, of dealing with things and, and right. really healing. And you're right. I mean, there's, there's the power of the mind. There's the power of, of how you deal with your body. And, and you could, people do strange things, you know, with their power. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yep. Now, again, there's things beyond us. And, you know, if the body is shutting down, that's a whole different story. And, you know, if there's something right. in, in your body that's, that's fighting you, that's another thing, but sometimes you can, your immune system also can be triggered through your, your activities and your body and how you deal with it. Right. Yeah. So, and that leads me to the question, like, what are some, I'm assuming nutrition also has to do with it. Uh, is there anything that you, you, you discuss in terms of like, you know, type of food or, or does it even, does it matter? Um, I mean, I believe the food that we eat matters. I'm not a trained nutritionist, so I don't usually, you know, delve too much into the world of, you know, giving people specific dietary recommendations. You know, I think the cleaner we can eat in terms of not eating a bunch of processed foods, eating as much organic produce as we can, you know, whatever your budget allows for that that that's going to help your health. There's, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, cutting back on sugar, like all of the the simple basic things we hear are so foundational for our health. So it's really what what you are presenting is more self-care, right? In in essence. 
it is self-care, but it is through the process of hearing that story from the body. Like when I'm doing the facilitated work with the client, that actually brings a change. So we use kind of the lens of quantum physics and it's like the observer effect. You observe the story and the story starts to shift and, and the body starts to shift. So, you know, sometimes somebody comes in with a pain and, and the pain is gone by the time we finish the session. And I didn't do anything to them. You know, we, we worked with their body's energy and rebalanced it, but it isn't like I, you know, gave them a chiropractic adjustment or something that you would, you know, recognize as like, you know, a treatment, so to speak. Well, so, so one item that you mentioned, I think one element that you mentioned, I think that's key is like, they have to, to have that open, they have to be open, which means yes. it's a mindset. They have to shift the way they think, right? People. Uh, and I think we all should, you know, have, uh, you know, an open mind about our mindset and, you know, it, the way we think, the way we operate can be positive or negative in, in, in one way or the other. So, yes. so I think if you're to open yourself to something different, to actually listening to your own, you know, language. And, and by the way, these are things that happen even mentally, because sometimes you do feel like mm, something is rough, you know, and, and, and you know that, and, but right. yet you don't listen to that. And you wind up doing something or getting into some <laughs> bad, 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 bad place, right? So, yeah. so it's important to listen, you know, to that intuition and or just that sense, that gut feeling, right? And, okay. and that applies also to your physical health. I mean, when you feel something like, you know, ow, I got, a, you know, like some sort of a knee problem or I got a backache, whatever, there's, there's a, something going on. And it could be, right. you know, but if you're like ignoring it, and not doing anything, and he's like, "Oh, I got this. That may be a problem." <laughs> yes, yeah. That was actually my my knee was and pain in my knee was how I found body talk. You know, I I didn't injure it, but I had pain, and I was like, "What the heck is this all about?" Because I knew I hadn't like banged into anything or fallen down, and it was like three months in, and I, I was like, "Why doesn't this thing get better?" You know, I never went the painkiller route because I was like, "Why would I take a painkiller for something I didn't actually injure?" in my body well so speaking of that um physical uh fitness is that something that has an impact one way or the other is that something that also has to to apply or because a lot of people they are sometimes healthier they fit and stuff but then they overdo it <laughs> <laughs> and then they might have all these kind of problems so so is there any way to to gauge that and maybe have a balance uh, advice to to folks I think, you know, everybody is different. So, you know, the type of exercise, like, again, I'm not an exercise specialist, but I'm a specialist in listening to your body. So for me, like I know certain types of exercise, if I do that, I'm going to be in pain for like five days later. Like my body doesn't like certain types of movement and I've learned that, you know, so I exercise in certain ways that feel really beneficial to my body. So, you know, there, there is such a thing as having a little bit of soreness when you work out and that being a good thing, right? But if it doesn't go away by the next day, then you might start to go, hmm, I think maybe I'm doing something that is probably not beneficial. <laughs> didn't warm up, didn't relax, didn't stretch. I mean, or it, it's a type of exercise you just don't, you know, benefit from. Like, not everybody is meant to do, you know, like hardcore, you know, kettlebells and, and doing, you know, some of those fitness programs. My body would, I would be in pain for days if I did that. Well, listen, I can, I can just imagine how bad it could be. And, and it's funny because when, when you don't work out and you go back, 
you know, there's all kind of things that can go wrong. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's why it's always recommended when you start, you know, you have to do it, you know, slowly, but surely, as they say, don't right. go, don't go crazy. Like, yeah, I got this, like, cause you're, you're going to crash quickly. Yes. <laughs> that's not a good thing. <laughs> well, and that, that, that leads me to the next question. So age wise, is there any difference in terms of the age you know, and, and, and the process of healing using the body talk and, and that system. I mean, ultimately you started early on, you were uh-huh. young and you are still young, but, <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter with time, you know, someone can be equally uh, in need of the service or in need of these, these types of approaches, but they could be at any given age. And therefore, you know, does the response, is the response the same yeah, or, or, or the, will it vary? more mostly based on what they think and how they help themselves how they listen um i think you know it it doesn't necessarily depend on age yes you know there are certain things that happen in our body as we get to certain ages but some of that i think is also what we've been conditioned to believe you know oh you're 70 you're going to start falling apart you're going to have all these aches and pains I mean, I know some people in that age category that are healthy and thriving. I I actually just saw my high school history teacher and he's 72. And I was like, he looks like he's in his early 60s. He goes backpacking. I don't think he has any pain, you know? So Listen, if you're active, you're healthy, you have good habits, I think overall, you're going to keep in shape. I mean, you know. Ultimately, there is there is aging is is some sort of a disease, but <laughs> but but you can almost slow that process, right. you know, if you take care of yourself over time. Uh, and I've had different guests that we talked about that, and 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 again, in fact, you know, age is a number, as they say. Right. Uh, it's how you you treat this temple, as <laughs> you yes. know, and, and and make sure that you take good care of it one way or the other. Now it's. Uh, garbage in garbage out good stuff in good stuff out right so that's that's right. so you take care of you and that's it mentally and physically yes. uh, and i think that's important uh, but but so now how can people reach out to you yes definitely the best way to find me is to look at my website which is heartfirehealingllc.com and you can find all sorts of like free resources on there you can book a consultation if you're interested in talking to me about how i might be able to help and you can find my book on there at, or my book on Amazon as well. And, and uh, you, you're not limited to folks in the U.S. You can basically do this remotely yep. anywhere yep. in the world. Yep, and, I've see, had international uh, you got a lot, clients. You got a lot of technology. <laughs> I right. know. I, and it's so fun when I get to work with somebody who's, you know, I, I, most of my clients aren't in my local area. And sometimes I get people, you know, from Canada or Europe. Or, nice. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, it, it's... It's a different angle in, and, and like I said, there's so many ways and so many resources out there. Unfortunately, there's not enough knowledge about them. And, and luckily, I mean, some of these shows and some of these programs can help potentially bring that. And at, at the end of the day, that's really what the mission here is, is to share with as many people as possible what's available and that can help them one way or the other to be better. Uh, and, and, and I think, I think that's, that's really it. You know, uh, certainly you are, a real story. So this is not something that you just, you know, you've been there, done that. Yes. It, it, it is what triggered you and got you into this in the first place. And, and, and you can, there's nobody that can relate to something unless they, you know, as well, unless they experience it themselves. You know, it's, it's really, you've been there, you know, no one can challenge you there. And, and, and you, and, and you didn't have it light. It was a severe, you know, one and long-term one. So, so, so for most part, probably people have a lesser degree when they talk to you than you had then, but, but you we were well prepared for it. Uh, again, 
at the time, I guarantee you, you will be like, that's not what I want to be doing in the future. <laughs> but but things happen, right? Exactly. Um, so any, any, we're coming on to the end of the show. So any final advice you want to tell people? Um, just, just like, you know, words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I think just learn to listen to your body. I, I always use the analogy, your body is like a friend, you know, like we often think of it as like something that. that, you know, fails us at times or we get angry. Like, why are you hurting? You're inconveniencing me. Your body is your, like your, your best friend, really. And think about how you talk about your body too. You know, like, would you talk about your best friend in the way that you talk about your body? Hopefully not, because some of us say some pretty nasty things about our bodies. <laughs> you know, you're broken, you're ugly, you know, like all of the horrible things that many of us can say at times to ourselves. So I think if you start to view your body as a friend and like, how would you treat a friend? Like, how can I take care of my body? Like I would take care of my very best friend if she needed help or he needed help. Well, listen, we'll take that advice. Uh, so, so Lynn, it was a true pleasure. And I, I think it was a learning lesson for me personally, and I'm sure for anyone that's going to be listening or watching on, 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 the on the channel here on the radio. But, um, you know, it was a true pleasure. And, you know, it's an inspiration as well, I think, you know, in terms of, and, and motivation, uh, you know, discussion, because it's, it's very motivational to, to me personally, because uh, it also gives a, a sense of, uh, you have to trust and believe that you can do better and you can heal and you can do things. And you also have to not give up. Right. You know, and I think that's, that's one thing that you did is that you didn't give up. You, mm, there's something off here. I need to, to dig more, dig more. It's worth, it's worth it. Yes. And, and, and I think that's, that's really like, so for me, that's, that's, that's a big message that I got from yes. here, you know, and, um, Medically speaking, we know what to do. I mean, we trust our medical, you know, doctors, but we did, we do need to always find out more. I mean, for light stuff, maybe, but then if it's something that is deep and severe or more, you know, uh, critical, I think it's worth, you know, trying more venues. That's all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to your intuition in that process. Like if something feels off, that's that's a key indicator because my gut kept telling me like something isn't right about this but don't don't take long <laughs> yeah. and yeah it, make a bigger stink you know i would i think that's the one thing i would have changed is i would have just said i am not taking no for an answer you will send me to somebody else well i remember you you were in a, in, a, in an insurance world that was limited and uh, you work with the system for what you had right. and i think that's really what what took long it's it's just when you realize you could have done differently and you did and right. that's it that was the end of it right but but again now we know i mean if we listen to this show we would probably know that listen one month two months things don't happen or even initially let's find three opinions at the same time and right. get them all compared and if it's all standardized you know well that's and even then if you're not you still have that gut feeling go for a fourth one who cares yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean it, it's, there's no limit to what you can do here right so so um well listen lynn i i can i can go on and on and on i appreciate your time and 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 really all the the advice here and the and sharing your personal life with us i mean that that's a that's a key uh but i think i think your your mission is really to share with people that they can do better they can heal there's other ways and certainly they can reach out to you, you know, you know, for advice and, and, and for consultation. So, yeah, uh, so thank you for being with us, folks. Thank, thank you for you. watching uh, on the iHealth channel, listening on iHealth radio. I'm your host, Hurricane H. Ciao for now. We'll talk at our next show. Different guests, different topic. Bye now. Bye.